0: Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo, on 943 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 943thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. Alright, welcome
1: in to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Big day of college baseball in Greenville, North Carolina, as the North Carolina Tar Heels are going to roll into town to face the East Carolina Pirates for the third time this year. The guy to my right, Scott Rogers, he's the baseball play-by-play announcer for 94.3 The Game and the Pirate Sports Network. You'll be on the call tonight, Scott, so... I don't know, I feel like there's always a, a buzz in the town when the Tar Heels or anybody, in C State, somebody locally rolls into town. So, you kind of feeling that already?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just how important this game is tonight for both clubs, I think, gives you a little bit more better atmosphere tonight, a little bit more to it than what it normally would be. But it's going to be a sellout crowd, crowd tonight. And, you know, we saw what it was like back in February when North Carolina was here. It was an awesome atmosphere. And now that the weather's a little bit warmer and we're further into the season, I think it's going to be awesome tonight.
1: Yeah, back then, I mean, it was like a regional atmosphere in February. It was crazy, man. And it looks like tonight's kind of maybe maybe kind of windy, low sixties dipping into the fifties. So, but I don't I don't think that's going to discourage people from showing up.
2: No, not at all. You know, I think it's already a sellout crowd tonight and. You know, I've already gotten texts from people saying they're going to be there at like one thirty or 2 o'clock They tailgating, so the atmosphere is going to be unbelievable, especially in the jungle tonight.
1: Yeah, 5 o'clock first pitch, not 6 like usual, just due to all the exams going on and North Carolina coming over during exam week. ECU also in exam week, so kind of a rare exam week, uh, midweek matchup. So excited about what this game means. We're going to talk about what this game means for both teams because really, North Carolina is a little bit on the bubble. East Carolina has gone from a potential host, at least as of now, you know, plenty of time left in the regular season, but a potential host to probably a two seed as things stand today. I want to get into that. Uh, also, want to let you guys know we are streaming live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. If you want to comment, if you got a question for Scott, if you got a question for us, uh, drop it. We'll get to it. We got some questions on the Hoist of Colors message boards. We'll ask you about uh, later on. We'll be visiting with Scott Rogers. We also got. Scheduled to appear, C.J. Johnson, ECU, former ECU receiver. Now, signing with the Seattle Seahawks, going to reunite with Holton Ayers. They just can't get away from each other, Scott. So. They
2: can't. <laughs> it's still true. crazy to me that nobody got drafted from this class. I know. But glad to see that a lot of people did pick up the free agent signings.
1: I still, Keaton Mitchell to me, I just don't see how NFL teams can look at his film and say, hey, this guy's not a potential draft pick. But I do like where he fit in with the Ravens. And I think him and Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. if he gets to that point, could could make up that's for a, a, that's to do a lot
2: it. of speed on the field. Oh, there's no <laughs> doubt. There's no
1: doubt. So I think it'll be a lot of fun to watch all five of those guys. Of course, we talked to Ryan Jones yesterday on the program. We've got Noah Henderson coming up tomorrow, uh, and then we're going to talk basketball on Friday with R.J. Felton and Ezra Osar. So hitting hitting everything from all angles here. But let's talk baseball, Scooter, and it's uh, you know, it's a situation where. ECU's already won the season series with North Carolina. UNC you know, has more opportunities for higher profile, high, higher RPI wins when you talk about postseason resume. This is, I think, one of a few top 100, definitely one of the few top 50 games left for ECU. Uh, ODU, they go on the road next week. They're just outside the top 50 right now, and then they host Campbell in the final midweek game. So you got three midweek games, all of them important, but you look at North Carolina right now, they're down to 39 in the RPI. They're on the bubble, according to the latest projections. Is there a team that has, I don't know, is it, is it, a, is it a more important game for either team tonight, or is it about even?
2: I think it's about even. You know, if you want to look at it a little more closely, you might say that it might be a little bit more important for North Carolina tonight just because it's a road game for them. But I think overall it's pretty even, you know, especially like you said, there's not a ton big RPI games out there left for East Carolina other than Old Dominion and Campbell. And so I think being able to pick up that win tonight would be huge for that, as you said, because there's, there's just not a lot out there. You know, Everybody knows how down the conference is this year, which will improve next season with the additions coming in. But right now I think that if East Carolina could pick up a win tonight, it would get them back closer to that hosting spot. And I don't think that hosting spot is definitely out of the question right now. I think, you know, if you win tonight, you know, you go on the road and beat Old Dominion next weekend. If you beat Campbell and then you win the conference tournament. Not say if you sweep the conference tournament, but if you get out there and win it, you know, you're right there at 40 wins, maybe even more. And I think that's definitely a hosting spot.
1: Yeah, we have our Hoist the Colors uh, ECU Baseball Roundtable podcast on Monday. And we kind of – we, we discussed some of the similar things. Like, to me, you have to find a way to at least win a share of the regular season. Maybe even outright and win probably the conference tournament. But if you do those two things and you get 40 plus wins, naturally your RPI is going to go up because they got to go on the road to Cincinnati, got to go on the road to USF. So that's going to, you know, those teams are weaker on paper in terms of the metrics. Not saying they're bad teams, but um, that'll help you at least go on the road. You got to improve your road record. But I think by virtue of winning those games, you'll move up the conference standings and then you put yourself in a position to host. So those people that are saying maybe hosting's off the table, I don't think it is. And I guess the the biggest factor is to me, we saw last year ECU, even in a weaker AAC, even with maybe some of the you know not top eight, top fifty wins metrics that you see in the past by winning the regular season and by winning the conference tournament both in the same year that spoke to the committee more than I think anything else. So I think that's going to be your most important
2: factor. Yeah, Yeah. and you you look at that, and I think one thing that the committee has also favored, if you look in the past, is teams that are hot to end the year. And obviously East Carolina was very hot last season so I mean you look at Ole Miss they were hot they finished the year last year too and so I think teams like that get a little bit more you know look from the committee and I think if East Carolina is able to, not saying to go out and win 20 games right the end of year but if they could finish the year hot on a pretty good win streak and win that conference tournament I think they would be in really good shape
1: we're visiting with Scott Rogers ECU baseball play-by-play announcer for the Pirate Sports Network I want to talk more about your background later on uh, as we visit with you for those who, you know, maybe aren't as familiar with you yet. I know a lot of people are. Uh, it's your second year on the call for ECU baseball, uh, but I want to dive into that in a little bit. Um, but as we continue with this, ECU 31-13 on the season, 26-3 and three at home, Scott. I mean, that's remarkable. Now, we'll get into the road struggles maybe here in a bit, but that home field advantage is no joke. We saw it on uh Saturday morning, I have to make sure I get this right. Saturday uh, or Saturday afternoon, in the conclusion of the Friday game mm-hmm. for Game One of the series against Tulane, just to come back, the crowd kind of wheels this team even when they're down.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, as you said, Saturday was a great example of that. If you want to go back to February when we last played North Carolina, that was a huge part yeah. of that when the Pirates came back late in that game. And you know, this home crowd is so special because I, I saw the other day. I think we're in the top twenty right now in attendance in all of college baseball and averaging, you know, I think close to 4,000 a game, which when you look at a team that's not in a power conference to be averaging that much, I mean, that says a lot about this program and where we are and where this fan base is, and that's such a big part of this team this year, but that home crowd is unbelievable, you know, especially late in games, you know, we saw that on Saturday, it's just it's such a huge part of this ball game.
1: Yeah, so twenty six 26-3, and, and you got the sold-out crowd tonight, it's, are we going to see another attendance record fall? We, it, so the first UNC game, was that the new attendance record even over the the Texas regional? I believe Super so. regional? And I think everybody knows that there are more people at the Texas games. Um, there was no guarding of the gates. It was almost like, hey, just come in, right. be part of this thing. Because <laughs> I walked out to the jungle in between some of those rain delays. No offense to the event staff people. They were, I think, overwhelmed. But it was just like, hey, in and out, in and out. But I think they put a cap on the numbers. So I don't know if we'll see another attendance record fall tonight, but the fact that you know, look we're it's a school where the the game's already sold out mm-hmm. for a five PM game on a midweek speaks for itself. So very very much looking forward to the atmosphere tonight. Get there early if you can. Like I said to Cliff Goblin yesterday. Uh just tell him you and Season Town maybe can get a, a, a note to get off work a little early. Um so five and nine on the road, Scott, that's the one big I guess a black mark right now on East resume. I mean, it, it it just is what it is. O oh, and one neutral site, so you could technically say five and ten away from home. Still time to correct that, but how much of a? How much of a black mark do you feel like that could be?
2: I think it could be a lot. You know, it's definitely different than it was last year. You know, this team played so good on the road last season. But you know, you look at who the Pirates have played on the road too. You look at Houston. You look at Wichita State, which right now top two teams in the conference. So it's not like they're losing to you know, bad teams on the road right now, but you still lost road games. And, you know, you can can say what you want about that Wichita State series, about the travel issues getting there, if that played a part in it or not. But this team definitely has not played their great, that best on the road this season. And I think that will hurt them a little bit in the postseason resume. But, you know, if you pick up, two or three wins this weekend against Cincinnati. You still have the road series at South Florida, and you still have the road game against Old Dominion as well. And it's, all of those games are going to be winnable for this team. So if you pick up all those wins right there, you know that, that record looks a whole lot better. And so I think this team's at a really good spot to improve that road record this year.
1: Yeah, so how much did you enjoy your, your trip to Wichita?
2: It was uh it was interesting.
1: It was interesting.
2: I uh was not feeling my best once All I right. got there, uh which listeners have probably been able to tell on the broadcast over the past week or so. But uh yeah, it was a fun one. That bus ride uh from Dallas to Wichita was interesting. Was able to get some schoolwork done, some prep work up. done, taking advantage of it as uh the guys also got some of their schoolwork done while we were on the bus too. So uh It was definitely an interesting trip, but you gotta give props to Blake Hardagree and the job he did to to get everything there. And you know there was a there was some worry there for a little bit on when the bags were gonna get there because nobody really knew anything. But uh, Blake did such a great job on that trip, organizing everything. And the biggest thing about Blake is he's calm so much through situations like that. If you know Blake Hardagree, he's such an upbeat, positive guy, and that was one thing that he did was he kept everything positive and kept everything moving that weekend
1: i tell you what, if, if if people are familiar with Blake and just kind of the inner workings of ECU's baseball program, and, and look, Cliff Godwin gets a lot of credit. He deserves it. But Blake, in many ways, is the glue that holds it together. Obviously, Jeff Palumbo and the, the rest of the assistant staff. But you probably see it firsthand when you go on the road. Cliff it, is the guy who sets the tone. But the guys behind him and, and guys like Blake, and Blake's been in the program a long time mm-hmm. now, Um, those are the people who make this thing go, I mean, undoubtedly, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, people don't realize how much those operations guys do, especially on road trips. You know, it starts, you know, they're the first one there in the morning. You know, they unlock everything. They get the bus ready. They get everything loaded. They make sure everything's packed. Uh, You know, the first thing he does on road trips normally is you hand out the Perdita money. You get breakfast there for the road trips. You know, all the team meals he takes care of on the road trips. And there's just so much planning that he does ahead of time, too, you know, with travel and hotel rooms, that sort of thing that people don't see and how big of a job that is, and he does such a great job with it every single year.
1: We're visiting with Scott Rogers. Scott, let's get into this uh, matchup with North Carolina tonight. Again, 5 o'clock, first pitch, a little earlier due to the exams. North Carolina's an interesting team. I mean, look, they're they're always going to be super talented, and to me, the UNC I grew up kind of watching, it you know, in, in that following ECU baseball, UNC could always pitch. I mean, they always were dominant on the mound. It seems like that's kind of flipped a little bit. They can really hit. Pitching has been inconsistent the last couple of years. What stands out to you, you know, to the first two matchups and then doing your prep for this game?
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that stood out to me earlier in the year was their starting pitching because right. it was so good against us. It was their bullpen that the Pirates were able to get into and get their runs off of, but, Yeah, that's kind of flip-flopped a little bit as the season has gone along. It's been the starting pitching that's not been that great for North Carolina. And this is a team that has kind of struggled in ACC play. I know they were able to beat Virginia Tech this past weekend. But, you know, this is a team that still has a lot to play for right now, as we were talking about with them being on the bubble. But, you know, offensively for North Carolina, the first name that jumps out to you, you know, if you go back to last year, you would think it would be Vance Honeycutt. But – it's not. It's going to be back Orvath that jumps out to you this year, and you know he's been so good all season long. And then lately, it's been Hunter Stokely that's been really good. I believe he's got a nine-game hitting streak coming into tonight, and that's a left-handed bat that didn't do that great against East Carolina at the beginning of the year, but is hot right now. And so, offensively, this team is is actually really good right now. And there's still there's so much talent out there. I mean, you like I said, Stokely, you got. Horvath and freshman All-American and Vance Honeycutt, and then Tomas Frick behind the plate is another really good hitter for this team. And so if you can silent them offensively, which I think we can, you know, we saw that earlier in the year when we played them, and if we can get into that bullpen, you know, that should be a really good recipe for success. And Cliff Galvin talks about that too, you know, getting into the other team's bullpen. We saw that against Tulane this past weekend. If you're able to do that, that's really a good recipe for success.
1: Yeah, Mac Horvath, nineteen home runs. I mean, that is no joke. seven thirty six slugging percentage, and and by the way, he's also stolen twenty one of twenty four bases. I
2: mean, he's doing it all for him right now. He's picking up a lot of MLB draft bars yeah. right now too, just because of how good a season he's having.
1: Yeah, Honeycutt was kind of, and he's only in his sophomore year, so he's draft eligible next year. Mm-hmm. A lot of people projected him as a first rounder. Mm-hmm. But yeah, two down to 254 average, and again, batting average doesn't tell the whole story. But the strikeout numbers are really high for him, 44 Ks, which is second highest on on the team. I uh, still hit 11 bombs, still stolen 18 bases, so like he's still a dangerous guy. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, Hunter Stokely, 348 batting average. So definitely guys who can hurt you up and down the lineup, hit the ball out of the ballpark a lot. We saw that earlier this year, both in Chapel Hill and in Greenville. So Connor Bavare, I think that's the pronunciation. I get yep. it Right. Um, you're the by play guy, so <laughs> I, I I can count on you to help me out. Uh, he's getting the start tonight. He's been there, you know, their number one guy. Started off the year pitching on Sundays, right? Um, for uh, for, or I guess pitching Saturdays, but he pitched a Sunday game maybe against ECU. Yes. Because of the cancellation. So, he's he's their number one guy. He's starting tonight because UNC doesn't have a weekend so mm-hmm. for those who are saying, well, why is UNC's throwing their best against ECU. Um, what do you expect from Conner? He pitched pretty good against ECU in the first game.
2: Yeah, I mean, he pitched really good against us. I think he went six innings before, you know, that last inning. The Pirates were starting to get to him a little bit. But as we saw earlier in the year, starting pitching was really good against the Pirates. So I think if they can replicate that tonight, you know, it, they're going to have or try to have some of that success against East Carolina. But then again, this starting pitching staff from North Carolina, looking at them over the past couple of weeks, have fallen off a lot since they were at the beginning of the year. And so, you know, I think there's a lot that you look at tonight. You know, obviously Beau is not going to go out and throw, you know, six or seven innings tonight in a start. You know, we'll probably see Max Carlson a little bit too, who pitched really good against the Pirates earlier in the year, especially with them not having that weekend series this weekend. And then are bullpen guys too. You know, there's also some some good arms down there. It has not been that great over the past couple of weeks, but, you know, there's still some really good arms down there. And so – I think tonight starting pitching is going to be interesting. Because you look, too, you know, with Garrett Saylor making this start. East Carolina switching things up a little bit in the midweek with putting Zach Root in the rotation this weekend. And so I think pitching is going to have a a big impact on tonight's game.
1: Yeah, what was your take on the the, kind of the changes? We we had Cliff Galvin in studio yesterday. He, He announced Carter Spidey going back to the bullpen, which is where he succeeded so much last year. Brute, the freshman getting to start Friday, as you mentioned, and then rolling with Josh Gross on Saturday. Just your take on kind of the changes there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I like it. You know, it switches things up a little bit, and obviously this team has has not been playing their best over the past couple of weeks. And so I think – switching things up a little bit, gives it a new look, you know, especially with it being a series against Cincinnati. You've already seen them once this year, so you know what you got to do going in. And with the way Zach Root, too, has pitched over the past couple weeks, I mean, he had a really good start against too late, And for him to have two starts last week with him starting, they gave an NC State, I think says a lot about how good he pitched against Tulane, but as Cliff Godwin said on your show, you know, going back to kind of that closers mentality of you know, go out, you close out that first inning, you feel good, alright, go back for the second inning, do your same thing, that sort of thing and putting that mentality back in these pitchers I think is a good look for them and it's going to be fun to see it this weekend and it's going to be cool to see Zach Root as a freshman make a Friday night start, you know, I'm not sure when the last freshman it was that made a start for East Carolina, going to look into that before we start prepping for Cincinnati, Um, but it's going to be fun to watch him and It'll be interesting to see what happens on Sunday too of that series, whether who they go to with a start. And you know, Jake Hunter's looked good over the past couple of weeks. You know, I think that you could see him sneak into this rotation at the end of the year too. And there's just so many options you could go with with this pitching staff.
1: Yeah, TBA has been good for ECU in the past. We'll see if that continues uh, this weekend. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're visiting with Scott Rogers of the Pirate Sports Network, ECU baseball play-by-play announcer. We're going to get into his background. On the other side, it's his second year. still a student at ECU, right? Uh, about two more or a month or so yeah. left. so we'll talk about that and how he's finishing up and, and much more on the other side. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game.
0: We're live with Steve Igo I go on 94.3 The Game. I said Johnny Roger. here! Now, back to Hoist the Colors. All right, welcome back in to Hoist the
1: Colors. Stay, uh, sitting beside me is Scott Rogers. He is the baseball play-by-play announcer in his second year with the Pirate Sports Network. Doing a great job. And I, I just want to say, Scott, is somebody who, you know, I, I go to most of the games uh, as a reporter, obviously. This year, just had our second child, so I've been staying at home listening to your broadcast a lot more. Just want to give you kudos, man. You, you've, you've, you've improved a ton. Not that you weren't good last year. I'm not trying to say that at all, but it's clear you put in the work. Uh, the, you know, you, you've, You've dedicated yourself to the position. Uh, you've you do the prep work. It all shows, man. So I just want to give you kudos to that. I'm not trying to butter you up for coming on the show, but uh, you've done a great job, man. I know you got a lot going on with schoolwork, trying to juggle everything with the Greenville Little League. So I just want to give you some kudos.
2: Well, thank you. You know, it was a uh, it was an awesome opportunity to take this last year and step in, and also be back for a year or two this year. But uh, yeah, I mean, I took your time. And improved a lot and you know Jeff Charles helped me a ton over the offseason last year and being around him during this past football season and also during basketball season you know being able to pick up on things during those broadcasts to to help the baseball broadcast as well but uh yeah I mean it's been an awesome run so far and uh looking forward to keep it going here in the future and maybe even longer than that
1: and obviously you you know you like myself you grew up in Greenville Mm -hmm. you know you grew up watching the Pirates and You know, there's something to be said for, like, there's obviously a professionalism you have to have, both as, you know, in my case, a writer or broadcaster, in your case, a broadcaster as well. Um, But, you know, we all get into this business because we we love sports, um, and and so you do have to separate kind of the fandom from, you know, doing your actual job. But I've always said for people who are like, oh, you can't be, you know, you can't be biased or whatever in your your role, um, you know. Yeah, doing what we do kind of takes some of the bias out of it, but at the same time, I think it adds to what we do as well, because we know who, what East Carolina fans want. We grew up as, you know, just that, so we kind of identify with them, and I think that that goes a long way. Just your thoughts on that and your role.
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, that, as you said, you know, you, you do have to kind of take that fan portion out of it, but that's also a a good thing that you have in this because, you know, you grow up around this program watching it for so many years, you already know the program. You know what the what the program expects. You know what the fan expects, that sort of thing. And so I think that's one thing that helped me a ton last year, stepping in very quickly because, you know, I only got the job, you know, a couple of weeks before mm-hmm. the season started. But being a fan, I already knew what the team was like. You know, I already knew what was coming in. And so it wasn't like I was learning a whole new program or anything like that. Um, and the same thing this year, you know, you just going off of last year, you know, learning so much and, and, and knowing this program, I think, helps me a ton, you know, growing, like you said, growing up in Greenville and being around it for so many years helps, and yeah, you know, that's the biggest thing for, you know, football and basketball, too. You know, you look in the future, and you know, you you know how like last year. You know, Jeff Charles. You know, obviously he's been around it for so many years. You know, he had known this program for so many times in basketball too. And I think just being around the program helps so much for for so many different reasons.
1: Yeah, I just noticed. You know, when we do our game throws and colors dot net, that every time it seems like the further we go along the, the more they you know talk about your work how good of a job you're doing so people are noticing just wanted to you know bring that up as well we do have a question by the way on the htc boards uh, the black pearl wants to know what's your favorite thing about work, working with the legendary coach o, gary overton
2: my favorite thing probably would just be you know one of the things we just talked about with knowledge of the program but just the knowledge of the game of baseball. You know, I bounced so many things off of him, you know, in different situations. Like, you know, this past weekend, you know, you looked at Tulane and, you know, everybody who watched the series probably recognized they had some interesting defensive alignments at time. And so bouncing those questions off of him, like, hey, Coach O, you know, never seen this before, you know, why Why would they do this? You know, and just for him to, to answer those questions because he had been around the game for so long, I think that's one of the, the cooler things. And, you know, just like we were just talking about, he knows so much about this program, you know, being the all-time winningest head coach of this program, being a Hall of Famer, uh, you know, just hearing the stories that he has from when he was coaching and, and hearing stories from other players that played for him about how he was, as a coach I think is, is one of the really cool things because as you said he's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer and to to work with someone like the work with someone like that every day is a real joy.
1: I, I just can't imagine Coach O as a coach because like I don't know, I've gotten to know him so so good as a friend, as I'm sure you have. Like, I can't imagine him being on the field like – Cussing somebody out, right? He's uh, too nice. Yeah, to he's too nice. Maybe I don't know. I mean, maybe he. I'm sure he had it in him back in the day. Maybe he still does. I just haven't seen it firsthand. But he, he's definitely one of the best people around. Oh, uh,
2: absolutely. I actually asked him this question uh, a couple of weeks ago. I asked him if he was ever ejected from a yeah. game, and he said he was never ejected from a game wow. in his coaching career, which I think is very impressive.
1: That's yeah. Uh, we won't see Cliff Godwin uh, matching that <laughs> quite. Yeah, it, it seems like we're almost to the point where. Cliff is due for another one.
2: I don't know. It, it, I mean, probably so. Coming yeah. up
1: here soon. And with North Carolina in town, if the things don't go the right way tonight, we could see it tonight. You never know. I thought we
2: were going to see it against Tulane with uh, yeah. our our 15 minute delay that we have because of a count being reviewed and a play being reviewed in that yeah. game. You never know. We
1: could do a whole show on umpiring. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't want to go down that path. Well, got we
2: got the refs sitting right over
0: there. Yeah, that's it. true.
1: That's true. <laughs> we got Philip Tilkinson in the house. Hank Hittner, our live studio audience. What's up, he's, Hank? Uh, he's always hanging out. So, but. No, so we talked about the Wichita trip earlier. You know, you, we were texting some and you said, uh, you know, the stadium itself is very nice and mm-hmm. you know, the campus. Out of The road trips you've been to, because, you know, I get to go to a lot of the football games as a reporter, but baseball, I went to Washington one year, randomly, because I'm a Seattle Mariners fan. <laughs> I want to watch the Mariners, so I, I double-dipped there. But do, I don't get to go to too many road venues, is there one that stands out thus far that you've been, been to?
2: So far, uh, Wichita State overall was probably the nicest one right. stadium-wise. Uh, you know, broadcast booth-wise, uh, this coming weekend, Cincinnati is the nicest one really? that I've been to so far. Um, but, you know, all of them are, are are nice. You know, there's not really a bad one. Out there, have been to South Florida yet? But talking with people around the conference, that it's a it's a nice booth, it's a nice setup there. But so that's one thing that's that's cool about you know this job is you get to go to so many different places. You know, there's there's so many ballparks that I've been to already. You know, like next weekend or not next weekend, but next week going Old Dominion. I've never been to Harbor Park, but have heard so many different things about it and how nice of a stadium it is. And so. Being able to visit all these ballparks, I think, is one of the, the cooler aspects of this job.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, just getting to travel for football and seeing the different venues, seeing the different cities. Because, you know, the Americans spread out. But the one good thing is you get to see some pretty cool cities, too, yeah. when you travel. So,
2: Like with Houston this, yeah. this year, uh, you know, me and Chip Welch actually went to opening night for the Houston Astros. Because yeah. we got in that Thursday and realized that it was opening night. We said, hey, why don't we go over to the game? And so we bought take us the night before and, and watched the opening night there. And that's one thing. I was hoping the Reds would be home on Thursday when we got to Cincinnati, but they are not. But, uh, you know, that's one of the cool things about the American being in, kind of in those bigger cities is you have a lot to do like that. And as you said, you know, you get to see all over the cities and, and everything with the American. And that's that's going to change even more with the teams coming in.
1: Some projected regional hosts in the the region, obviously, right now outside of, of, you know, unless East Carolina makes a run here, we could be seeing ECU hit the road, and Duke's kind of a projected regional host, Coastal Carolina, uh, South Carolina, down in South Carolina. um, Virginia may still be in that mix as well. Wake Forest, of course. If it comes to that, do you have a preferred destination or is it just, hey, we'll, we'll go wherever?
2: I think it's kind of that go wherever kind of deal. You know, this team has is, is always got that mentality of play anybody, anywhere. And so, you know, I, I don't think it matters. You know, you're in the NCAA tournament. Anything can happen. And, you know, in the past, this team has played really good on the road in NCAA tournaments. Um, and so I think that's a, a good thing for this team. And But like you said, there's a lot of close venues that this team could go to. Um, you know, obviously, if they got sent to somewhere like Duke or Wake Forest, you know, the fan support would be unbelievable just because it's so close. And even somewhere like South Carolina, too, it would be great for fans just because of how close it is to Charlotte and how big the alumni base is there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of opportunities out there for this team. And, you know, like I said, I think it's kind of a play anybody anywhere mentality.
1: Last thing for you, Scott Rogers, Cincinnati this weekend is the best robbery in the American Athletic Conference. You <laughs> Cincinnati, the league loves it just as much as we do, right? We, we love ECU Cincinnati.
2: Absolutely. It's a, uh, it's an interesting series, you know, obviously they did it with UConn when yeah. they were in the American, but, uh, which was a little bit better because yes, Utah was really good. W- yes, absolutely. But stadium wise, Cincinnati yeah. is definitely better, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, this is a uh, much different Cincinnati team that we're going to see this weekend compared to what we saw just a couple of weeks ago. You know, they picked up a sweep against South Florida this past weekend, and they're they're playing much better. You know, they sweep South Florida, beat Tulane two out of three, and so this team's playing pretty good baseball right now. And with us going on the road playing there, they're going to be jacked up just because they're playing good, and they're obviously going to want to beat us just because of who we are. And so I think it's going to be a fun series this weekend against the Bearcats. He
1: is Scott Rogers. Hear him tonight on the call. If you're in the stadium, throw in an earbud and, and listen to him. But, on the
2: IBX Media app. There right? you go. The
1: IBX Media app. Download now. Nice plug, man. Hey I I can't <laughs> I always forget to plug something. Uh, but Scott, you're doing a great job, man. Enjoying listening to you. And uh, thanks for coming in. I know you're busy, so thanks for everything, man.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, Stephen. That's Scott Rogers on the other
1: side. CJ Johnson just texted me that he's ready to go. So we're gonna try and get CJ Johnson on the phone. We're also going to have Philip Pilkington join us to close out the show. Maybe he'll sit in on the C.J. Johnson interview as well. We'll have him over here shortly. So you're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. On the other side, we'll talk to the former ECU receiver who's now Seattle-bound.
0: It's game day, Pirate
3: Nation, as East Carolina looks to sweep the season series against North Carolina.
0: This is the pirate report on 94.3 the game sponsored by the ibx pirate partners moore's old-time barbecue chicken and seafood fantastic sam's cut in color and CaribSea and emerald isle everything you need to know in the world of ecu athletics this is hoist the colors with steve Igo on 94.3 the game Hi, right, welcome back into the program uh Hoist the Colors
1: on ninety four three the game. Philip Pilkinton is joining us in the studio. Philip, what's up? How's it going, Steve? It's good it's good, man. It's good. I am I'm excited to talk to our next guest. We got him on the phone. He is C J Johnson off to the NFL. We talked to Ryan Jones yesterday. We talked to Noah Henderson. Uh we're gonna have that interview for you on Thursday. But CJ, how does it feel to be to be heading to Seattle, man?
4: Oh man, that's a that's a real dream come true, man. I've, I've dreamed of this since a little kid, and uh, just just the opportunity that was given to me is wonderful.
1: Take us through the process, and I know that you were probably hoping to hear your name in the draft. There was some speculation you could go in the later rounds, and but it seems like a great situation either way. Like when did you first start really hearing from Seattle, and kind of walk us through what that phone call was like when you got the news?
4: Oh man, it was. Um, the whole process just was just was a blessing um in disguise man just uh just going through the whole process i mean you don't really you don't really you don't really pick up on a lot of things because the process is so it's so like it's so here and there like you're you're just traveling a lot to a lot and you just don't you don't have time to just stop and take in the moment because you're doing so much stuff but uh just over the last couple of days, man, just letting everything sink in. I've been able to uh, like just really thank God for uh, everything that he's done because uh, I know I know this is a blessing because my grandma my grandma passed away this uh this past football season I was playing at ACU and um all of her all of her life our favorite team has been the uh Seahawks because uh she only liked them because they're Jersey and Russell Wilson. So uh After Russell Wilson left, she she continued to like them because they're Jersey. So, I mean, I just know that's just God that got me to the Seahawks.
1: (laughs) Did did they even, you know, contact you at all, like going into the draft, or was it kind of one of those things where, you know, it happened out of the blue? Like I know with with Holton Aylers, who's also going to Seattle, we'll get into that in a minute, it it sounded like Seattle didn't really have a ton of interest in their pre-draft. Was it similar with you, or did they at least contact you a little bit?
4: I, um well i i also had uh different opportunities than hoden um as far as uh so at the n f l p a bowl when i went up to cali uh, um i talked to him maybe for fifteen minutes and um also at the combine i talked to him for maybe fifteen minutes so i mean i didn't talk to him a lot they didn't, they didn't they didn't they didn't like hit my phone telling me like they they were really interested in me or anything like that i didn't i mean i really didn't expect them to pick me up.
1: Are you excited to uh, to share a receiver room with DK Metcalf and, and some of those guys in Seattle?
4: Oh man, I can't I can't wait to get in the room with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and guys like that. Has been in the league for uh, countless numbers of years and just know just know how to be successful. And I just can't wait to to be led by them. Really.
1: So you, you just can't get away from from holding CJ. It's, <laughs> you know, and again, you guys don't plan this, but it's almost like. Uh, y'all have been playing together since high school, and got to be one of the few tandems to go from high school to college together, and now to start off in pro together. So, is it is it pretty reassuring though to know that you kind of have a guy who's been a lifelong friend making this trip with you? Because Seattle's about a far, as far away from Greenville as you can get.
4: I mean, just I, what I've learned from this whole process is that like you're gonna go, you're gonna go to a lot of places where you just like <laughs> where it's just you. So of course, like. When I was training in Charlotte, I mean, I was training with other uh, football guys, but, you know, obviously it ain't nothing like training with your teammates. So uh, just having him down there, just uh, it's just going to be great because uh, we're going to push each other to the max, and uh, we're just going to get the best out of each other.
1: I want to look back at your your final season at ECU, CJ, and you ended up putting together uh, your, your best statistical season. You had a 1,000-yard campaign. You know, you faced some adversity in the off season, and I know that you know that challenged you probably a little bit. What you know, how much did you grow from those those off the field struggles? Maybe the suspension, and then having to fight your way back because I know it wasn't easy. I know, you know, adversity like that is not easy. But you know, do you feel like you grew from that and that challenge?
4: Man, I feel like I grew a lot. I feel like it it really just changed my complete perspective of a teammate because I. the the example that I was putting out obviously wasn't a good teammate. I thought I thought it was a good teammate at, at one point, but now that I look back at it, nobody wants to be. I mean, nobody wants to be a teammate with that that type of guy that I was, you know. So I just just learning all of that and just knowing knowing all of that. Just I'm just striving every day to be a better teammate and just uh, play my role.
1: And then you come back, you had them a thousand yard season and. Uh part of that was moving inside to to slot receiver. You had been an outside receiver and this it sounds like that's what's gonna be, you know, your role in the NFL at least to start with. So how much do you credit that position change with some of your success and also buying into that position
4: change? Uh I feel like I feel like it had it had a lot to do with my success just because um the slot the slot position. You have you have a lot more space, you don't you don't you can't necessarily have a defender in your face, or he's going to get burnt. So uh, they kind of got to make a decision there, and, um, and then on top of that, in the slide, and then with the talent we had across the board, what is what really helped me get to that thousand was you got Isaiah Winstead on the outside, you got Jalen Johnson, you got Ryan Jones on the other side. Like you can't with that with that much talent on the field, you can't double team anyone. You can't. So. Um, with them not being able to double team me, I was able to expose one on one coverages. CJ, you
1: did have a year of eligibility left. Did you, you know, consider coming back at all or was it more just you kinda of felt like it was your time having played four years to, to give the pros a shot?
0: Um,
4: I I I kinda knew I kinda knew going into this season that um I wanted to come out this year. Um but I mean coming back was always a thought. that was always like that was always a you know a Things don't work out, and you can always come back for another year. But pretty much trying to get in here. I kind of knew I was going to come out this year.
1: Gotcha. C.J. Johnson is with us, East Carolina. Former receiver now. He hauled in 175 catches for nearly 3,000 yards in his time as a Pirate, scored 21 career touchdowns. C.J., what's your schedule like in the coming uh, coming days, coming weeks? When do you report to Seattle?
4: Uh, I fly out to Seattle May 11th, and we start camp on May 12th.
1: There you go, man. Any anything you're really working on in between now and then? Like, did they send you any stuff to get ready for, as far as preparation playbook, that sort of stuff? Is that more when you get there?
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right now. I'm looking through the formations and um, the formation playbook. And as far as my physical conditioning, they uh, they didn't really give me anything, so I'm just you know I'm just trying to stay physically fit as possible. Um, just going to camp. Uh, and, being able to
1: run five miles. <laughs> CJ Johnson with this last thing for you, CJ, I want to ask about your, your running mate, Isaiah Winstead. Uh where he's kinda of blowing up on social media because he he hasn't gotten a, a contract or, you know, a rookie mini camp invite despite all the success. He's posted some highlights. I saw a Sports Center picked it up. Um what can you say? You know, have you reached out to Isaiah to keep his head up and then, you know, do you feel like he is a guy who who deserves a shot?
0: Oh man,
4: I, I all he can do right now is keep his head up. The guy's a dog, man. He 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 showed he showed week in and week out at practice, at games, at wherever he was. He showed week in and week out that he was the dog and that he had what it took to be in the league. Um, like you said, I mean, some guys some guys get overlooked, but um, I definitely think whatever team picks him up is going to be a steal because like nobody got him during the draft and they should have.
1: He is C.J. Johnson, former East Carolina receiver, now on his way to the Seattle Seahawks. C.J., we appreciate the time on the program today. I know you're busy, so we appreciate you setting aside a couple minutes and uh, sharing some thoughts with us.
4: Yeah, no problem, man. I appreciate y'all for having me.
1: That's C.J. Johnson on his way to the Seattle Seahawks. Now back in the studio with Phillip Hilkington. Uh, Philip, what do you think about the the, the, the landing spot for C.J. and Holton? I mean, I think it's a A pretty good one on paper. You look at kind of, obviously they have Lockett and they got Metcalf at receiver and then uh, Geno and Drew Lockett quarterback. But I feel like there's a, a path there for both guys to potentially make it.
3: I definitely think so. This day and time, a lot of teams will keep three quarterbacks, and especially when you have such a high IQ guy like Holt Naylor that can bring so much to the other young guys around, so much to that scout team look if, in fact, he is the third-string quarterback right. um, where he can pick up on other teams' offenses um, a lot easier maybe than um, than some other players would. And like you mentioned with CJ, it's it kind of is an open wide receiver room. They have not really established – anything past, I think, those top two guys over the last few years. Seattle, I remember when I was growing up and I was a kid and they made that run with Matt Hasselbeck, they always had four and five really good receivers. And then even that second run they made where they most recently won a Super Bowl, you kind of knew who those guys were. But I think that C.J. has ample opportunity to earn a spot in that receiver room uh, come first or I guess second week now of September.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's uh, you know a lot of it is with him moving inside the slot, I think that plays to his strengths more, and in the NFL, kind of the big slot receiver has become a guy that's been coveted these last few years. I know that you know the New Orleans Saints had a lot of interest pre-draft in CJ, and um, you know that would have been an interesting landing spot. But I do like where he landed. I want to get your thoughts on the other three guys, kind of before we we head the break here. Uh, Keaton Mitchell with Baltimore, like I was, I'm not gonna lie, I was, was kind of mad that he went undrafted because I feel like he's so good. Like there's not 259 college players better than him, and I know that you project. You know, if you're an NFL scout, and maybe his size hurt him. But in the end, I like where he landed because you look at Baltimore. Historically, the last few years, they use a ton of backs. And if he can get to the point where he's on the field with Lamar Jackson, like I feel like that's a, a dynamic duo that can really wreak havoc.
3: Yeah, because, you know, Lamar's good at getting the ball to guys in space, both through running the option as well as just dumping stuff off. And I think that plays into Keaton's hands, you know, tremendously. And like you mentioned, they're a team who really hasn't had a set number one back probably since Ray Rice. And really they've had a 1A and a 1B, and even the last few years they've had three guys, you know, or more, you know, kind of rotating in. So I think it's a big opportunity for him and, uh, you know, really for all these guys. I think they have to keep the mindset that you're not just trying out for the team that you're on, you're trying out for all 32 teams. So many guys will go and get cut by one team, and within hours they're picked up by another there yeah. at the end of the preseason.
1: Yeah, that that film is so valuable now, and, you know, for the most part, a lot of teams already know who they're going to keep, and it's more, hey, who can we pick up for our practice squad? And it's hard to make the 53 as an undrafted free agent, and I do think even in Holton's case, like being a practice squad quarterback as a third guy is, is a heck of a scenario for an undrafted free agent and something that you would take all day. So uh, I, I think those three guys in particular have a great shot. Talking to Ryan yesterday, Ryan Jones going to the New York Giants, sounds like the Giants really like him and, and maybe see him as a guy, hey, we can stash him on our practice squad. He's only played tight end two years. Maybe develop him with his athleticism. So um, another guy who can play kind of that big slot receiver like C.J., and I think could find a role somewhere. It's just you kind of have to be patient when you're an undrafted free agent because it doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight more times than not.
3: No, for sure. And, you know, the other thing about Ryan Jones, I understand he hasn't played linebacker any time recently, but you know, one guy goes down and they want somebody who knows the defense. I mean, he's still played linebacker at a Power 5 program at a national championship contending program for a reason. And I think that makes him very versatile to keep on a team, even if it's a practice squad thing, because they can throw you out there at both offense and defense. And coaches like guys are versatile, especially this day and time.
1: Yeah, and Ryan's as athletic and as versatile as they come. So, Looking forward to seeing what he does in New York. And, again, we'll be joined by Noah Henderson tomorrow. On tomorrow's program, we'll have Noah Henderson, who's heading to Buffalo. So five guys have signed the undrafted free agent deals. Uh, Philip will also be in with me tomorrow as we recap the UNC ECU baseball game. Let's take our uh, our last break. On the other side, some transfer news. We broke on hoistacolors.net last night. ECU got a big offensive line commit. We'll talk about that. And also with nashad Strother hitting the portal, how does that change the offensive line room? And maybe touch on some other notes as well coming out of the NFL draft. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game.
0: Thank you, Here there be pirates. Back to Hoist the Colors with Steve and I go. is this on 94.3 The Game? All right, welcome
1: back into Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Phillip Pilkington's alongside as we wrap up. The program. I'm Stephen. Igo. We we broke the news last night on HoistTheColors.net uh, that the Pirates have added a big transfer, Dustin Hall, offensive lineman from South Florida, and the connection here, of course, is Alan Mogridge is the new offensive line coach. He had been the offensive line coach at USF the past three years, so you have that familiarity. An interesting scenario here, Philip, where the guy was a USF grad transfer. He actually went to Duke for the spring semester. And then he re-entered the portal and committed to ECU. And and he told me basically that, you know, he he wanted to give, quote-unquote, the power five a shot, you know, because he had played at USF, played in the American, and just didn't feel comfortable there. So he comes back now to to Coach Mogridge, comes to ECU. He's got two years left, more of a guard. He's played center. He started five games at center, I believe. You pair this guy with Ryan Beckman and Owen Murphy, two Akron transfers, You know, you kind of had to find some plug-and-play guys because last year you lost Avery Jones to the portal. They just lost starting guard and Sod Strother to the portal. Noah Henderson and Justin Redd are going to the pros or giving the pros a shot. So you lost four starting offensive linemen. They're bringing in three. You're developing some guys. So uh, crucial position, as you know, with football. If you don't have an offensive line, you're not going to win many games.
3: No, you're not. And I think this is even the most maybe crucial position in college football to have experience where right. a guy has played at this level. Because not that it's not harder facing a cornerback at the college level as opposed to high school level, but you've still got to go out there and run the same routes. you still got to hit your landmarks, study chemistry with your quarterback, and, and kind of goes to other positions. When you talk about the trenches of the line, experience means so much. And you're talking about this uh, kid, Allen, that just transferred in from South Florida. He's played multiple positions there, and he's been a three-year starter. That is huge.
1: Yeah, I, I'm really excited, to, and, and after talking with him, he just seems so much more at ease being back with Coach Mowbray and being in his comfort zone. Like I feel like he wanted to give Duke a try, and and it sounds like he ran with the ones and the twos throughout spring from what I've heard. But just wanted to to come to East Carolina for his final two years of eligibility. ECU also recently picked up a cornerback transfer in the last few weeks, Rance Connor from Louisville, and then of course they had the two Akron linemen, and then also added a VMI kicker who just happens to go by the name of Jerry Rice. <laughs> and he's short he's a 5'7 170 pound white kid named jerry rice so he should get uh quite a lot of memes right philip
3: he should unfortunately in order to make a big name east carolina might be too big of a school for him the other jerry rice came yeah. from a small school i guess vmi is a small school but the key in making it big and being named jerry rice you can't go to a big time school
1: yeah uh, maybe uh maybe he should have stayed at vmi but uh He'll add to the kicking competition, and Owen Daffer moving on, you know, Andrew Conrad kind of took his spot, returns. Of course, Carson Smith, another guy on the roster, returns. They added another high school kicker as well. So we talked about it with Coach Houston, but I think we're going to see a much different kicker, uh, kicking situation this year. But overall, transfer portal is here to stay, Phillip. So I think we're going to have to learn a lot of new names every offseason.
3: We definitely are. And it's going to be this way in every sport, and, uh, yeah, it doesn't sound like much is changing.
1: There's no doubt, 13 transfer commitments for ECU. They got a receiver visiting this week from Colorado. We have more on that on HoistTheColors.net as well, so check that out. And maybe we'll have some more commitments to talk about as we get closer to the weekend and early next week. That'll do it for this edition of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Thanks to C.J. Johnson, thanks to Scott Rogers, thanks to Philip Tokenton as well. We'll talk to you tomorrow
0: at 12 noon. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 943 The Game. q 943 The Game anytime. Media app. Uh, is it
4: free?
0: Yes. The only app you need. I love the app. Download it for free in the App Store or Google Play and get to your favorite radio station in two clicks. All your sports, music, talk, and podcasts, including the latest from Stephen I and Hoist the Colors and year-round coverage from the East Carolina Sports Network. Listen live anytime, anywhere to ENC Radio's best. I always listen. Download the app. The IBX Media app. Turn your car into catch with an instant Kelly Blue Book.